Welcome to the Zeitgeist 19 curated podcast, exploring the spirit of now through the lens of art and sustainability. Your hosts are Farah Piria and Elizabeth Zhovkova. In this episode, we continue exploring the notion of stage and performance art, this time meeting British musical theatre choreographer Gillian Bruce, based in Milan, Italy. As a leading professional in the field, she has worked for various TV productions and musicals, such as Dirty Dancing and Mary Poppins. Gillian shares with us her challenges on directing through distance in a post-pandemic reality and her high hopes for the future of musical theatre. Hi, Gillian, and thank you for having this conversation with me. It's lovely to be here. As the pandemic is continuing, luckily it won't be a full season loss for the performing arts sector. We have just been selected as a main choreographer of the first post-COVID-19 open-air musical in Italy, Oklahoma, that will be performed in Bologna. We are very curious to know, how do you manage the choreography work through distance? And uh, what are the biggest challenges you're facing at the moment? It's a very difficult moment for everybody in the arts in general. Um, We were supposed to do Oklahoma in the uh, Teatro Comunale di Bologna, where I go every year. It's a big lyrical theatre, beautiful theatre, where we do big production numbers uh, with 90 people on stage normally, uh, a 50-piece orchestra, and it's every year it's a wonderful experience. Obviously, this year that is not possible. Uh, The original idea was um, to take out all the seats from the uh, down in, you know, where the public normally sit, which they've done, and put all the public up in the boxes and not use the stage, um, which they have done, but they have decided to only do concerts and um, things where there are very few people on stage. So they didn't, with all the restrictions with the, you know, the COVID that were, were made on the theatres, they just didn't feel like, you know, uh, doing such a big production with all these rules and regulations. So now we're uh, doing it in an open air theatre, um, which I think is probably better because I don't know how many people are ready to go and close themselves in the theatre at the moment. So, um, but the problem is we, uh, um, Oklahoma is um, a love story and all the choreography, or a lot of the choreography is Western couple dancing, which I can't do because they cannot touch each other. Uh, they have to stay at least a meter away from each other. Um, and so I'm going to have to find another language. I'm going to have to tell a story in another way. If we, we pass anything on stage, you have to have gloves on. Uh, there are a lot of rules which are going to make it very, very difficult. Uh, obviously, we can't use the orchestra. We'll be using tracks, which is a big, a big, uh, I'm going to really miss the orchestra because for a choreographer, that, that is wonderful. Uh, we are also having to cut the show down because you cannot do two acts. It has to become a, a one act. 
so that there's no interval, so that there is no crowd gathering in the toilets and that sort of thing. So at the moment, we're cutting the script, cutting the musical, the songs, uh, the dances, and it's got, I mean, Oklahoma, the original Oklahoma is three hours long, and we've got to get it down to one and a half, two hours. So that's going to be very difficult. Um, and obviously, because we have to have um, the public have to be, you know, far away from each other, we're going to have to do more performances than what we thought we, you know, to 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 uh, be get to give the public everybody the chance to see the show. So there are a lot of problems. There are a lot of uh, it's going to be difficult, but it's a challenge, and it's just it would be lovely just to get back in in you know the rehearsal rooms with with the performers because it it's been a long time, you know. It is unfortunate to hear you're not going to have a symphonic assembly for the musical. Um, following your thoughts on maintaining safety, how exactly do you envision the reopening of theatres globally? Well, I sadly feel that the theatres will start opening next year. I mean, you know, uh, in the West End, like uh, Cameron McIntosh, who is one of the biggest producers in the West End, as you know, um, theatres in London is a, a big economical um, resource for, for London. Um, and they have decided that they will not be opening before next year um, because uh, will it be a nice experience going and being, you know, far away and having less people on stage? I know Cameron McIntosh has, is, is all, he always wants to give quality. And I think it would be a cheap imitation, you know, having all these rules and regulations. So the big shows, I'm sure, are going to wait till next year. My sister, who is also a director choreographer, in the West End. She was supposed to do a new show in October, but it's been moved to spring uh, 2021. In Italy, uh, I just hope the government are going to help the arts and the theatre because, you know, the Italian theatre was already, already struggling before COVID. Um, and if they don't have um, economical help, I think it's going to be an awful long time before we can get back up on our feet, you know? Um, I think they will also wait until, you know, after Christmas to bring back uh, certain musicals. When, when, when there was the lockdown, um, at the moment, there were, the, there were a lot of musicals on stage. I had Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was on stage and they were all closed down from one day to the other. Um, I think some of them will be able to open up again uh, next year. I think a lot of them won't. A lot of them won't be able to open again, you know. They just don't, financially, they won't be able to do it, which is very sad, you know. Um, I also read this morning, which was, for me, a huge, I thought, my God, um, Cirque du Soleil, I'm, I'm sure you know that they're famous all over the world, are declaring bankruptcy, and they've had to sack 3,500 people. They will come back but it's gonna be totally different. We have got to change. Uh, this whole thing is gonna change our lives. Unfortunately, we're gonna to have to, you know, make a lot of changes and it's not gonna be easy. 
but I'm very positive. We will come back. Uh, Italian talent, I adore. There is a lot of young Italian talent out there. And I hope that uh, Italian producers will keep producing and risking, you know, um, because I think the theatre is very important for our society. Um, it's not looked as, uh, as an essential or primer uh, necessity here, but I think it is. I think it's very important. I think art enriches our lives and it's important. Gillian, we have seen that many theatres are going online at the moment. How did you cope with the theatre world on pause? And uh, can we really fuse the urban physical sensibility with the digital one? Well, um, I, during the lockdown, I did a lot of classes because I teach as well. I teach the young um, Italian talents. I work in uh, two academies, one in Bologna, one in Milan. And I'm very lucky because I work with the creme de la creme of the young Italian talent. Um, so I did a lot of classes online just to keep them fit and to keep them, you know, keep the groups together, to keep the morale high. Um, I think some things can be done very well online, like uh, history of music, musical theory, one-to-one uh, -one, uh, singing classes, um, dance, no. I did it for a while. Um, I'm glad I did it. I, I think you can do fitness classes because it's very, you know, it's very important for, for performers to keep themselves fit. They can't stop. They have to keep studying. They have to keep their bodies toned. And um, so, I, you know, I think fitness classes, the classical ballet in the morning was great. But my classes, I was very, very frustrated. Obviously, you know, a lot of people had problems with the Wi-Fi, then they didn't have the space because I work on dynamics. I, you know, I, my, my way of teaching is through my energy. I, you know, I, I, I use a lot of energy to get them to give me a lot of energy. And it's, it's like an exchange, you know, and you can't do that online. Um, so, yeah, it was very frustrating for me. Uh, I don't believe that uh, online can, um, I think live will always be more important for everybody. And I think after this, uh, people will be even more, you know, wanting live because it's not the same thing. It's not a real world. And, uh, you know, a lot of my pupils were saying, we can't wait to get back in the rehearsal room with you. It's completely different. I, um, I think it's wonderful for some things like when I start a show, I always have to do research beforehand. You know, I have to go and see what in what era, era we are, what the history was in that, that time of it, that era, uh, what was the fashion, what was the style of the music and the, the style of dancing in that. Uh, online is fantastic with a click. You've just got everything there, you know, and uh, at one time you have to go to the library and get films out and, and books. So that way I find it fantastic. Also for, for, the, for my students to go and, you know, I give them, you know, homework to do and things, but it'll never replace live. Uh, it, it's just not the same thing. I agree that audiences are desperate for live music. 
Are there actually musicals that are more convenient for the social distancing situation than others? Um, one of the shows they were supposed to do in Bologna was Jekyll and Hyde. Um, what they're doing is they're going to do it in uh, Ferrara, in the Lyrical Theatre in Ferrara. Um, what does this mean? What they've done is they brought it to, to our days. So the cast have got masks on with plexiglass. They have masks, they have gloves. Uh, they've made it part of the show. So um, they, you know, they're going to have on the stage, they're going to have the chorus, but they're all one meter from, me, from another. Then in the, in the stalls, there's going to be a stage where the show, you know, the acting will take place. And there's not a lot of dancing, it's more staging, which is much easier, you know. Um, so I know they are going to do this. And I think that this summer, uh, this is going to be one of the things that they will do. They will bring the COVID into the show, write it into the show so that it all becomes one. So it doesn't spoil the story, if you know what I mean. It's very difficult to do, but it, uh, there's a lot of clever directors out there and I'm sure they will find the way to do it. But it has to be a small cast. It doesn't have uh, to have a lot of dancing in it. And I think the story, um, you know, Jekyll and Hyde is dark. So you can, you can bring all that into the story. Whereas Oklahoma is sunny and it's, you know, it's a love story and it's, it just wouldn't work. It would just be a bad imitation. So yes, I do think there are um, a lot of alternative shows that maybe shows that would never, you know, you'd never put on before because maybe, you know, they're, they're dark or they're, they're alternative. I think in this situation, they could be used and be more effective. Besides Oklahoma, you have choreographed uh, many other musicals based on films, such as Dirty Dancing, Mary Poppins, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, to mention a few. What is the most difficult part when working on a movie adaptation? And uh, what has provoked you or touched you deeply throughout your career? Um, adapting film to stage is never easy. You have to have a very good writer. Um, and it doesn't always work. It doesn't mean that there's a, you know, a brilliant film. It will work on stage. It will work on stage if the script is good. And you could normally tell, because when we start a show, the first day we all sit around a table with the director and we read the script. And you can tell from that day, just reading it, if you've got a good show or not. Um, if it works, just sitting around the table, you don't need a lot of fluff and you know a lot of money because it works. If you have a good cast, actors, and a good script, it'll work. But a lot of the time, it doesn't. Ha this doesn't happen. So, what you do, you need effects, you need costumes and and scenery and things to help the show. You know. Um, it doesn't happen. It happens a lot that a film is very good and they, the, the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the script doesn't do justice to the story. 
you know, because you have to tell the story in a different way. Film and theatre are completely different. I mean, the directing is different, the acting is different. You have to be able to make it, you know, real for the theatre. You don't have the zoom that you have in film. So when I'm choreographing, if I'm doing film or television, um, I can do, a, a, I can direct the cameras to what I want, the, you know, the, the public to see. When you're on stage, you have to create the movement to create the focus, to make the people look where you want to tell the story. And the acting is completely different. The directing is completely different. So um, you, you have to have somebody who's rewriting that understands theatre, understands the difference so that you can, you can bring that to the, to the story, you know? Also another thing when you're doing, um, cause I, you know, I've, I've done a lot of shows that have been films, um, um, is the expectation that the public has, you know, they expect to see certain things. I remember when we were doing Mary Poppins, we sat down and we said, well, Mary has got to fly. You cannot have Mary Poppins and not have her flying, you know? So we had a huge budget to make her fly with a flying machine and everything. We had to have the bag, the never ending deep bag that she brings out all her objects. There were certain things that you have to, iconic moments, you have to give the public. Otherwise they'll be disappointed. When I did Dirty Dancing, everybody's waiting for, nobody puts baby in a corner. You know, it's the iconic. And they wait, they know that the line's off by heart. Um, why I love working with the Disney, I had, I've worked with the Disney three times. Um, I did High School Musical, Muses and Mary Poppins. They are so particular um, because they don't want their children all around the world to be disappointed. So they are very particular that all the ingredients are right. And when we do casting, we have to send all the, the videos to the Disney because they they are so particular on the age, uh, physically how they are, their singing range, how they act. They have to be right for the part. So they are very, very, very strict. And I like that because then you are sure you're going to you're going to please the, the public. Gillian, as being born and raised in London, how would you compare the musical scene between England and Italy? In what way would you like to push the sector forward? There are a lot of different differences, an awful lot. Um, one of the, the main things is um, the budget. Now, in the West End, um, when they open a big show, they have a lot of money. They put a lot of money into it. But they also know they're staying in the same theatre. They can even stay there for years. So they have the possibility to get their money back that they've invested, you know. Um, some shows even uh, break even with pre-selling. Before they even open, they've covered the costs. And the rest is just profits which is fantastic because that, that means that production will then invest in the future. Um, that doesn't happen in, in Italy because uh, the Italians are used to the show going to them. It's in your culture, you know? So what happens is that um, a show is on for a month, maybe in Milan, and then it has to go on tour. 
once you go on tour, the costs just go sky high. And so what they do is they cut out the orchestra, they cut out some of the stagehands, the quality goes down and the production um, cannot, you know, get all their profit back. It's very difficult for them to get the money back. We had big success with uh, Mary Poppins because it was a long running at the Teatro Nazionale in Milan. It stayed there. So, and they made a profit. And that's what I hope is going to be the future. You know, that, so that, the, 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 obviously, if I'm investing money, I have to be able to, to, to get, you know, back my investment. Otherwise, I'm not going to invest anymore. Um, you know, the culture in England, a night out is uh, restaurant theatre, whereas in Italy, it's the pizza and cinema. They don't have that in their culture, you know, so um, it's very difficult. Um, a lot of producers are forced to only do shows where they, there's a film because the Italians, if they, if they haven't seen the film, they won't risk, they won't go and see it. And there are so many shows out there. I mean, if you do Grease or you do Dirty Dancing, you know you're going to have it full. You know, you're going to be sold out. There are so many shows, um, alternative shows and um, cultural shows that the Italians will never do because they know that they can't make a profit, you know, which is very sad. Um, also, uh, it's considered a real job in England. Here it's, it's a kind of hobby, you know. Um, the performers are not, uh, they don't have equity as they do in London. They don't have, you know, a, a syndicate that, that helps them. So a lot of the, a lot of the time um, they're underpaid or, you know, the conditions aren't what they should be. Um, in England and Broadway, you, you have good shows and you get bad shows. They're not all good, but they're all professional. They're all professional. And that doesn't happen in Italy. You have the really good shows and then you have an awful lot of shows that are poor quality. And that damages the market because um, a mum and dad with two kids spend the money to go to the theatre. And it's not cheap for a night out and they see a bad musical, they're not going to come back again. And that ruins it for us, you know. So, yeah, there's, 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 there's a lot of differences. Um, but I truly believe in the Italian talent. Um, there's so much fantasy. Um, they have incredible taste. Um, they just need the, if, if we had, I mean, I, I'm, I've been working here for years now. If we had the same budget that they have in the West End, we would just whew, do wonderful things. And I pray that in the future that that could happen because um, there's a lot of talent waiting there to be, to be used, you know. Your optimism is very inspiring, Gillian. We have to be, we have to be because, yeah, you know, my passion is so strong. Um, that's what's always pushed me throughout my career. Um, you asked me also what, what really touches me. What touches me more than anything is young talent. Um, I, I'm very fortunate that, you know, when they come to the academy, you see them with this dream. They have this dream 
to go up on the stage. And, you're, you, you know, you work with them for two or three years, um, which, is, which is wonderful. Uh, they leave, you know, they get their, their, their qualifications and everything. And then I see them coming to the auditions. And I see the auditions. Now, when they get through the audition and I can see them on the stage and I can work with them as a professional, that is a very special moment for me, you know, because I, 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 I see them with a dream and then I see their dream come true. And all my ex-students invite me to their first night. So I'm always there in the, you know, up front because it's terribly special for me to see that growth, you know, and you see them getting stronger and stronger. Then you see them, maybe they start off in, um, just in the ensemble, and then have a little part, then they're the leading lady or the leading man. And you do, you go, wow. And the fact that you maybe help them a little bit and getting there is, is very, you know, satisfying. Um, I will always teach. I don't only choreograph because I think um, um, working with people who don't have the knowledge, it's very helpful when you're working with actors. For example, I often have to, um, make actors dance and they're terrified of me because they think, oh my God, you know, they're brilliant actors, they can sing, but the dancing is like, you know, so you, you have to find another method. You know, with the, with the, um, the, the singers, I put the dancing on the words and I, I do the same thing with the actors. I put it on what they're saying or what we're telling, you know, you find a different way. And it's not so much with their, with their body, but with the acting part of it, you know? So um, I love working with all races, you know, because that makes me have a, bit, a bigger knowledge for when I go into a show and I have to teach, you know, the choreography that I'm looking for. What about interactive or alternative theatre in which audience can also participate? Um, I'm very traditional. Um, I know the alternative theatre, a lot of people like it. Uh, it's not for me. Um, and it's not the sort of experience I want to give to somebody else. I love the theatre with the cast on stage and the public. And I love um, to give them two hours of joy and, and for them to dream and, and just have a good time, you know. I'm not saying that the alternative, they don't, but they involve the, 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 the um, audience in a way. Um, it's not my cup of tea. That's, that's the only thing. I, do, I would never want to go into that sort of, uh, you know, uh, work. My last question for you, Gillian, is what do the words dance and music mean to you? <laughs> dance and music is my life. Um, I have a physical need for both. Um, I could never live without either of them, you know. Um, music can change my humor in, in two seconds. Um, and I have a, a physical need to express myself with, you know, with my body. I just love dancing. Um, I love being in rehearsal room where you have all the ideas and I love that, that part of it. Um, I think it's terribly important 
I'm, I, I talk to all the performers, uh, you know, during the, the, the lockdown and they are so sad because they feel invisible because they say, you know, we're not considered um, important. Um, whereas they are very important. Can you imagine what lockdown would have been like without the arts, without film, without music, without books? Uh, you know, um, it's terribly important. It's essential for, for our society. And I do hope um, the Italian government will realize that the arts need to be helped. You know, I, I've traveled all over Italy and there are the most beautiful theaters um, that are falling apart, you know, because they don't have the money to keep them up. They're beautiful. They're antique, they're, um, you know, they're part of the story of each town because one, you know, every town had their own theater. And it's such a shame, it's such a shame. And, you know, the, I, that's what I push for. I push for, um, you know, uh, investing in the arts in general, in the theaters and helping these performers, you know, because next year is going to be very difficult for the academies also because who is going to you know so a lot of the, lot of the kids come from the south and they have to come to bologna or milan not only do they have to pay the the academy they have to pay for their lodges too you know and everything for two or three years so let's hope there'll be some you know some help i i, I know we'll come back i just don't see it happening before next year I think it'll happen next year and it'll be quite slow, but we will, we will come back. And I, I, I just know the public will just be dying for anything live, you know. So let's hope. Thank you, Julian, for the inspiring conversation. And I really hope you're gonna be able to attend uh, one of your future shows very, very soon. I hope so too. Uh, I will let you know, and you'll be in the, the first, in the in first, you know, line right up the front. Okay. <laughs>